0: us my page. Welcome, 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 welcome to the Barnabas Speaks podcast. I am your host, Cloyd Brown. If you do not know what I'm on about this Breonna Taylor thing, that was the intro, which is, I came from uh, the artist's Toby Nguigwe's, I'm not even showing, but, sure, I'm saying his last name, Pitt. Right, but his his page um, today would be a good day to arrest the killers of Brianna Taylor. Uh, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. If this is your first time listening, the the Brianna speaks podcast is a podcast about encouragement, a podcast about empowerment, and a podcast about faith. Now, the past couple of weeks we have been dealing with faith and justice and faith and the response to injustices of the church I'm gonna take this off because I am hot but uh normally it's cold in here but uh I want to really deal with the continue to deal with these things but I think that uh, here's my mask so make sure y'all know I'm wearing my mask I want to deal with these things because they they are real issues uh, and we as the church have a responsibility to deal with real issues. We as the church have a responsibility to uh, speak on these things, to talk about these things, to truly deal with these things, uh, because they affect the church. They affect people that not the church, local, but the church universal. They affect the, the people in it. If we truly going to be one body, what ails one part of the body must ail all parts of the must be important to all parts of the body. Uh, and so that is what we have been talking about. And I've really been thinking and really been trying to decide uh, and praying what would be next, what would be for this week. And really, I, I've i been really concerned about God's will, concerned about what we talked about last week, concerned about how we approach the things that are important to us, but as pertains to God's will. And we dealt with it last week and I'm not saying that I'm moving away from it, but this week I want to to truly begin to talk to Christians, those that are beginning in their relationship with God, those that have been with God for a while, been walking with this in this walk for a while, those that have been Tried and true, those that have been in church for a while, and you are still seeking how to grow in your relationship with God. And how do you balance growing your relationship with God with the, the troubles and the trials and the tribulations that are going on? Oftentimes, if we took the church to truly be the body of Christ, sometimes it feels like the the church is not as involved the church is not as concerned with some of the things that are going on and so if you take the church to be the body of christ you would begin to believe that the church that you that the church does not care that the church is not concerned so that must mean that christ is not concerned and what we must one stop doing is allowing ourselves as the church to be compartmentalized to think that our only mission is what we do between the four walls on sundays and what we do uh what we preach from the pulpit and while we do need to be community focused sometimes because we have to speak about the community from the pulpit but more so people will know you by your fruit we knew who jesus was by his fruit that what made people draw to jesus is not just what he was speaking if you think about it, he would he would perform something. He would do a miracle. He would do something to help the the the, the less fortunate. This uh, the disenfranchised. Those that, uh, in a lot of ways, society was not as concerned with mainstream concept society, the status quo, those things that people were just not concerned. Those those people, and those things that people were not concerned with. Jesus went to go see about them. It's not to say that he did not see people that were not uh, on the phrase of society, but even if you think about Matthew, the tax collector, in that time, tax collectors, within the society of the Jewish community, tax collector profession was was not looked on as a, a profession that you could look with pride. No one grew up saying, I want to be a tax collector, because it was seen as, as such a, a corrupt and... Unworthy or unrighteous job that why would you want to do that and so even when he goes to see Matthew that's why I, uh, excuse me for the yawn but this is I try to keep it as real and as uh, uncut as possible but uh, when he goes to see Matthew there there are the Sadducees and Pharisees and the, and even the disciples they are they are asking Jesus why would you go eat with this man because he is a tax collector and so he concerns himself with these people. And what drew people to him is that he took the time to concern himself about them. He took the time to, to make sure that when he has the, the, this 5,000, all these people, and they have the, the two fish and the five loaves of bread, he now feeds them. So he takes care of their immediate need because they were hungry. While the disciples saying send them home. He said, no, we're going to feed them what we have here. And then he's able to preach to them. Then he's able to to pour into their souls because he has taken care of their, their natural needs. And the reality of it is that we, if we're going to be a Christian community, which we are, the fact is that we got so caught up in this thing called church, this, this the the institution that is the church, this building, and I'm not knocking the building. I, I, I think that the building could be a great place for headquarters, a great place for a centralized location to meet and to yes worship and praise God, but also to do ministry out out of it to to go and visit the sick, to go to the prisons, to to go in and, and feed the 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 needy, the feed the hungry and take care of the homeless and, and provide a job education for those that are just getting out of prison and, and job education and, and preparation for those people. I think it, it could be a great headquarters. But we have we have created this institution where this this building, what we do on Sunday is church and that is not what the case was, the church is as understood by the Bible, in which is our marching order, which is our instruction manual. The church is the body of Christ, not the building. The building, the temple that we go to is for meeting, but also as we meet, we come with strategy. We go out and go amongst the world. Jesus would bring his disciples in, and then he would send them out. There we go, those, those churchy things. We say he sends them out two by two, uh, and he sent them out. To go do ministry. So after he had given them the marsh notice. after he did those things, they would go out and do ministry, and they and they would, he was sending them to towns. And so the question is: We, the church, what what do you do now that you're a Christian? Now that you are, or now that you have been in church for a few years and you you've been working and on your relationship with God, and you're, you now the first thing you should do is be praying for God for a strategy to Spread the gospel, but also to do ministry work. That the, the disciples in, in in acts as they were doing prayer and and preaching and, and delivering the word of God. They saw it fit that they would assign deacons what we call deacons now, because while they the prayer and preaching and reading the scriptures were was important, but taking care of the people that needed help was just as important. So that's where they assigned them. The deacons to be able to, to do that, to serve. And so we all are servants of Christ. We should be out there. How can they, it says that, how can they hear? How, how would they know unless they hear? How would they hear unless it comes from a preacher? But yes, we're all preachers of the gospel. We all have the mandate to spread the gospel in every form, in every every fashion. If you are going to work and people don't know, I'm not saying that you have to broadcast that you're a Christian, but they don't know that they haven't, that, you have an alternative method to the, the hell that they're going through. If, if you are walking in, in, in the, down the street and you are doing everything, you, you protest and you do all those things, but you are not conter- concerning yourself with the issues of the community that's around you to be able to feed them, to be able to, to pour into them, to be able to, to, for them to be able to see your fruit to which you draw people in. When you begin to do the work of Christ, when you begin to to be the church, to be the hands of Christ, to be concerned about those people, be concerned about the the disenfranchised and the marginalized, the when you concern yourself with with discrimination, you just, uh, concern yourself with low wages for for women. If you concern yourself with with uh, police brutality, if you concern yourself even in politics, if you concern yourself with the things that and the corruption that's going on in politics and the people that are being Taken advantage of because of corrupt politics. Even even if you concern yourself with what's going on at the school boards and, and making sure that you're part participating in what's going on in, in the school boards, with you're participating, what's going on at the community uh, town halls, if you can concern yourself, when you be to get out there then people will begin to see your fruit and then because you're concerning yourself with the issues of your community with the issues in your state with the issues in the world because you concern yourself but you can you keep your Christian integrity you keep your your, your like integrity you continue to to stand on your ground not stand your ground I, I don't like that phrase because it all I means but you can continue to stand on your faith and you continue to do those things then people will begin to see your fruit that even in the midst of, of all of this you kept your integrity what what people said about what God said about Job and all of this he has not sinned against me you you even though you enticed me against him he has not sinned he has not cursed me as you would said and even his his wife comes up all of this and you still keep your integrity the fact is that with that is that That becomes a testament. We read about Job's faith because of not because of how loud that he preached, not because of how 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 he was at church every Sunday, not because, not even the testament that God gave about him about how righteous he was. What made him righteous is that he stood in faith, and that no matter what happened, he kept his integrity. The challenge is that we compartmentalize who we are. I I I felt like I was on a roll. We compartmentalize who we are as Christians, we compartment as our lives and this is for Sunday and, and maybe midweek service. And this is how we are on our job and we're ruthless and, and we have no integrity. and this is how we are when we vote and only thing we care about is money, 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 money. And this is how we are when we amongst our, just the, the, the boys, if you will. This is how we are when we're just with the, the our girlfriends. This is how we are. And we do not concern ourselves with the issues that are surrounding us. And we do not touch the people with Christ. There is a, the a story is an account in the Bible where Jesus finds himself at a well and he meets this Samaritan woman. And by all accounts, the children of Israel did not encounter or they did not interact with the, with the Samaritans. There was a divide, if you will, amongst these people, between the Samaritans and the Jewish people, the Israelites. And so there was a divide you did not intermingle you did not talk you, in fact that is what the woman said at the world was like you shouldn't even be talking to me but why are you but th- then G- this man came to see about her what she says is her his her account for him when she spreads the word it was not how great he preached but he told me all about myself and in telling her all about herself, he never judged. He just said that it's not the case. And it drew at the more that he had a conversation, the more that he didn't treat her like a leper, the more that he didn't treat her what for what she had been guilty of, the more she was drawn into him. What are you drawing people in? My challenge a lot of times in the church is, that we hold non-Christians or people that we consider to be non-Christians, non-believers, to the standards of the Bible. And we judge them and we hold them accountable and we say, well, this is why you're wrong. But most times they know that they're wrong. They know that this is, if they're seeking Christ. Now, some of them may not feel that they're wrong. But you hold them to those standards, but if you like your brother or sister, you hold them to no standard. You have grace and mercy for all their fallings, all their failings, and this, this, and that. But when you don't like someone, or they're outside of what you consider to be outside of the will of God, you hold them to these standards. Never offer them a chance of that same grace and that same mercy that God gave you. But when Jesus sees this one He does not take the time to tear her down for what she's done. He actually does not even say anything that she's done wrong until she opens up to him. Like, I have no husband. You're right in saying that. And the man you're with now is not your husband. But up until then, he is only offering her something that he knows she needs. He says, give me a drink of water. And she says that you have, like, like, who are you to come and ask me for a drink of water? He says that, she, he says to her, if you knew who it was that was speaking to you, you would ask me for a drink and I would give you a drink that way you would never be thirsty again. You are walking around, we as Christians, we are walking around with the bread and the water of life. And we spend so much time trying to tear down people that do not look like us, that do not sound like us, that do not move the way that we we move, because they're not Republican, they don't believe like we are, because they're not Democrat, they don't believe the way that we we believe, because they they don't live in the same neighborhood as us, because they have a different kind of job, because they may have uh, sold drugs before, because they've done this, 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 that, and the other. We won't even encounter them. And we literally, we our profession and our confession is that we have within us the water that will cause them to never be thirsty again. It is my, if I said that I had a theology, if I had a, a belief, it is my belief that every person on this earth, I'm talking about believer and non-believer alike, I'm talking about agnostic and atheist I'm talking about Jewish or Christian I mean every person my belief is that everyone is seeking God even if they do not know it my belief is that because our soul comes from God and our our soul longs to be whole again and some people are seeking. some people while they're seeking it, they're seeking getting riches, but they're not going to get them rich, they seek it in, in alcohol, they seek it in drugs, they seek it in women, or they seek it in men in relationships, they seek it in, 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 in power. but the, the soul is always seeking and chasing after Christ, because it longs to be whole. We stopped being whole at the fall, the fall in the garden. When, when Adam and Eve ate that forbidden fruit, we stopped being whole. And the soul seeks and longs to be whole again. This is I'm okay standing on this island by myself. This is what I believe, and it's it's it, and it seeks to be whole. And I believe that for every person, that's what they're seeking. I'm not saying that every that I am not uh, in the universalist camp where I believe that every everybody is saved, with whether they accept. Uh, Christ or not or they confess I, that's not my belief I believe that that salvation comes through confession that you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord I believe that that is what it means to be a Christian So that is that is my belief but my but my at the core the foundation of everyone the soul longs to behold and is Seeking Christ the challenge is, is that we have to identify That it is Christ that they are seeking and most of us don't understand that we're not Identifying that Christ is what we need and so Jesus comes to this person, comes to this woman, realizing that she's thirsting and she doesn't even realize it. She is thirsty. She is, she at the core of her soul, she is tired of living the way that she's living. Even, even if she, she has not yet acknowledged it. We don't know anything about her afterwards. We don't know her name. We don't know if she stopped living with that man. But that wasn't even, that wasn't even the point of Jesus being there. He knew that she needed something that he had. And if you know that you have something that that, that somebody needs, that someone is seeking, but you are holding it hostage because you say that you have to live this way or you have to be that way for me to give it to you, you'll never get that opportunity. They're not going to look like you. They're not going to sound like you. Yes, you're going to, the real reality, if you have the gospel, you should be open to giving it to anybody. You should be open to giving it to the the person that you, the disenfranchised person, the person in the projects, because you think that because they they dress a certain way and they live a certain way that they they they're not thirsty for their soul to be whole. So you avoid them and you stereotype them and automatically you ass, you make assumptions about them. Automatic. And our bias, our racial bias, our gender bias, our uh, uh, sexual preference bias, all of those are keeping us from giving them what they need. Let's, Let's walk it a little bit. Let's walk it back some, okay? So... We know, we should know, that women in the workplace are unfairly disadvantaged. And what they need is an ally. If you are a a Christ man, I'm speaking specifically to the men. If you are a Christ man, I told you we're going to deal with these things because I, I, I'm studying and reading for the purpose of being able to attack the things that are dealing, that are that are suffering in the body. And so, if we, if as the Christ man, are going to be able to affect change in this person's life, you must first address what's what's physically ailing them. God does not begin to speak faith until he addresses what Christ rather does not begin to address faith until he be, I mean to talk speak faith until he begins to address what is ailing them the man in the bed that he was he was sick for 38 years and he begins to talk to him he says would you be made whole do you want to be made whole? Do you would you like to be healed? Because he's a gentleman like that. And the man said he doesn't answer him, but Jesus first addresses what is clearly this man's issue. And then afterwards he deals with go and sin no more. That's that is the the formula. He addresses the immediate need. Right now, you are telling women just to pray about it, but what they need more of is, is your ally. They need you to be an ally. They need you to speak up and say, do you want to be made whole? Then let me help you. But you're not there to be a savior. You're there to be an ally and helping them to get there. Black men, we have an obligation. I'm a black man, so I'm going to speak to some black things. Whether you I I, I know that everyone that listens to my podcast is not black, but I'm going to speak to some things that affects my community and the people that are in my family, the people that are close to me, the people that I run into. And I I I want equality and, and equity for everyone. But this is this is where I am right now. And if this is uncomfortable, I apologize. Not really. I, but this is what God, this is where God has me. This is in the vein God has me. But black men, we have an obligation as Christian men. Now, I want to speak to all men, but this podcast is coming from a Christian perspective, so I'm going to give it to Christian men. We have an obligation to speak up for our, our fellow women preachers and our fellow women business owners and our fellow women Whatever it may be, we have an obligation because if we say that, whether they're Christian or not, if we say that we have this word, and they will judge us by our fruit. And if, if we have this word that was going to set us free, that, that we would have we have life and life more abundantly, that we would live in liberty, that, that, that we would have these things and be free from the shackles of this flesh. All the things that most people are dealing with are shackled of the flesh. Racism is a shackle of the flesh. Pre- uh, uh, sexism is a, a shackle of the flesh. And if we're going to freedom, we have to speak out against things of the flesh. We have to speak out against sin. If we understand that racism is a sin, if we understand that, that sexism is a sin, then we must speak against it the same way that we speak out against abortion, the same way that we speak out against um, uh, murder, and the same way that we speak out against uh, are all these different things the same way that we we speak out against the things that we we believe are sins why wouldn't we speak out against these things because it affects people in the body how can you as a as a man as a black man see someone whether it is your mother your sister your cousin your your girlfriend, your your wife, your partner, whatever it may be struggling because they' are not be, be treating being treated equal and not say anything but then get up in the pulpit and preach Christ. And sometimes we we're complicit in the act. We're complicit in the gender inequality how can you my 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 non-black christian men and women see that that these men these the african american men and, and and women the the asian men and women the hispanic uh, men and women the that 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 fall into these minority groups and they are being discriminated against how can you not speak up but then offer the love of christ but you do not speak up against this this Pain is sin and you, you know what is needed that's the challenge Jesus can clearly see what is ailing these people that he's, that he's performing miracles on he can clearly see it so he addresses it and then now he has that ear now he has the. Now he has their heart. And he can now. Not now that he's addressed the physical. Now that he's addressed some of the things that they've been dealing with. And been a voice for them. And cared about them. He can now. Address their soul problem. He can now address their soul problem. When he tells Matthew to come, when he tells Peter to come, when he tells Paul to come, when he tells uh, uh, John to come, when he tells James to come, they are not perfect. They still have flesh issues. The best example of this, of course, is Peter because we see him, we literally see him grow before our eyes, through the process and we see Peter grow and we see him be pulled up. But we have to stop not calling people, not letting people serve and not do this. You need to sit down, this doing that because Peter struggled all the way through the rest of Jesus. And when Jesus comes back, he speaks to Peter, not as a man, that failed him. He says, Peter, do you love me? He he still gets to be the quote-unquote leader of the disciples when it comes time to stand before the Sanhedrin. And it begins to make me think that some of the rules, some of the things that we have, are we concerned more about ostracizing this person for what they've done wrong? what we believe is wrong in our eyes, and Jesus is not as concerned as us making that person whole again. This is for America. America often lets it be known that we're a quote-unquote Christian nation, and if we are a Christian nation, then that means we as a nation have a responsibility to be after Christ. Christ. And if we're going to be after Christ, we have responsibility to make those who we've wronged whole again through the love of Christ, but through action. I'm not saying that it's going to happen through reparations as it goes to the African-American community. But there are some systems in place that have kept the African-American community, the black community, from being whole. There are systems in place that have kept women from being whole, specifically, specifically, at the intersection of women and race and black women and race. But there's also the the encompassing, protected class of women too. If we're gonna say that we're a Christian nation, if we're gonna say that this is what we're about, we have to be about our Father's business. Mary and John, yeah, Mary and John, Joseph rather, are looking. They went, uh, and they they're on their way home, and they realize that Jesus is missing. He's twelve years old, and they find Jesus in the temple, and Mary is distraught, like a mother would be, and she says where have you been we've been we've been worried about you i'm paraphrasing he said don't you know I, I would be about my father's business we have to be about our father's business and we have responsibility to make those that we we have responsibility to make people to help through because we are the body of christ we have a work to do to to make sure people have the avenue and the gateway to be made whole. Now, that doesn't mean that everyone that you you seek the help is going to walk through those doors, but you have to at least offer them the help to be made whole. We have that responsibility as Christians. Prayer is great, and we should pray with these. But there's some real things that they're dealing with. they are really people that go through the prison system and are rehabilitated. See, now, more, there's more cases where prison is not doing the work of re- rehabilitating people, but there are people that come out and they want to be contributing members of society, but the, the system is set up against them. This system is set up against them. Some of them can't vote. Some of them have a hard time finding jobs because they have felony. And sometimes not even a violent felony. How do you become a contributing member of society when you're being ostracized and you're being disenfranchised because of mistakes you made that you've paid your debt to? Now, we can, we can, we can go on whether the, the prison—I don't want to get into the prison industrial complex— but we know that that's an issue. We know that that's a problem. We also know that black black and brown people are, are arrested and put in prison uh, or, or more disproportionately represented than, than whites. We understand that. But beside that point, they, how are they to be contributing members to society when they've paid their debt for their crime? It is just as if you got a speeding ticket and you paid your fine, you paid your debt. For breaking the law. If you, if, and the other side, if you, uh, if you got a, if you got a, your license is suspended, and you took the you the not the UI class, defensive driving class, and you paid your fine, you and if you waited for as long as you could, you got your license reinstated. You now have your license back, but then even though you have your license, they won't let you buy a car. You have the money, you have the credit, but they won't let you buy a car. Oh, your license has been suspended before then the license itself holds no value if you cannot drive. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for that analogy. The license itself holds. So the time that you spent and the education, the books you read, and all the things that you did to, to come back to be a better contributor in to society holds no weight because people won't give you the opportunity because of what happened and what you've already paid for. And we as, as the church, not the church local, church universal, the body of Christ, need to be advocating, even as Jesus at the right hand of the Father, advocating for us. We should be advocating for our brother and sister that, that has been rehabilitated or that has paid their debt to society. We should be advocating for our, our, our brown brothers and sisters that are struggling because they, they, are, they, they have the promise of freedom. They have the promise of of the Bill of Rights. They have the promise of the Declaration of Independence. They have the promise. But because it was not written for them, the systems that are in place are failing them. And we that are, in the majority for whatever it is, whether it is gender and and, and we as men are in the majority and whether it is race where uh, our white brothers and sisters are in the majority, our Caucasian brothers and sisters are in the majority, we need to speak up and hold it accountable, and to fight fights and to to suggest legislations and to to to, re, to make sure that we're on boards and make sure that there's diversity and inclusion on in neighborhoods, diversity and inclusion on, on, on and, and districting of of schools and diversity inclusion on access to 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 loans and things of that nature. We have a responsibility because we have to touch what they need to survive, but we've been quiet for too long. We need we need to make sure that there are programs in place for those that are coming out of prison. I would not even plan on being here, but I believe that this is what, what God wants me to be. I wanted to continue to talk about some of the race related things, but we need to put in programs, we as the, the church body need to be involved in, in voting the legislation and involved in the political process, be be involved in some of the things that that are blocking people that are coming out of prison, coming out of jail, that's keeping them from becoming being reintegrated back in society so they could be functioning so that way they do not have to go back to all they knew and so they could take some of the things that they learned, they take some of the controls and, and some of the things that they learned in prison when they decided they didn't want to go back so that they could be contributing members. That may mean that we do need to create more jobs. That may mean that we do need to create more programs. I know Pastor uh, Bishop T.D. Jakes has a whole program where they're they're actually going through a program where they graduate and they're they're given access. These are people that are are released from prison uh, and they're given access. We need to be working on our expungement programs, expungement programs and people's records, so that they are not put behind the eight ball and they don't have to return to their life we need to we as 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 black and brown people we need to be investing in these neighborhoods that that we grew up in and, and investing back home one of the things i love about lebron james is that while he's moved away from akron he has never forgotten about akron all most of his programs are going back to the city of akron he, he built the school in the city of akron he had the, I promise a school and I promise even scholarship and working with the university of akron and making sure that he's putting back in his community. I was watching where he did a a commencement speech, and he said, go to college, go away, spend your time away, but don't forget where you come from, not in the sense of, mostly we say that when we want people to be humble, but some of it is investing back in your community. If we begin to do things to invest back in our community, then we begin to, to improve our communities, to make room to where there is no gentrification. To where the culture, the good parts of our culture within that, those neighborhoods are not taken away. Everybody has, man, I did not expect go here. everybody has a, uh, especially when you come from these small towns, they have a, a love-hate relationship from where they come from, but we have to give back. I'm, I'm thinking, it, even in my head, how can I give back to Brunswick, Georgia? Well, I was born in the Bronx and I, I, and I, and I lived in New York Towers I was 10, but the city that continued to raise me has been Brunswick, was Brunswick, Georgia. That's where I, I played high school sports. That's where I had my first job. That's where I had my first girlfriend. That's where I learned how to drive and things of that nature. And so how can I give back to those communities from where I'm from? And so man, I thought something flew in me. Uh, how can, uh, how can I begin to do those things? And so I have to begin to think about this. My wife is uh, from Columbia. And, and how can we begin to invest back into our neighborhoods? And if we can't, if we're not doing that, but neighborhoods where people look like us and we're pouring back into it, and to reinvest into where that, that while it may not be everything that we want it to be, that we're helping it to be what we believe it should be. I know it feels like I'm all over the place, but we have a responsibility. We have responsibility to our communities. We have responsibility to our brothers and sisters. Black men, you have responsibility to black women. Men in general, you have responsibility to women. Uh, My white brothers and sisters in Christ, you have responsibility to your brown and black brothers and sisters in Christ. We have the the water that would help people not thirst again but they're so beaten down, they're so torn down, they don't even want to hear about that because you're not addressing what they need. Because even after you've you've introduced them to Christ, they still have to go out and live. And if you introduce them to Christ and not give them tools, not give them assistance, not give them guidance, they're going to blame your negligence, not on you, but on God. Because you mismanage the gift. You mismanage the assignment. We have a responsibility. And I guess this is being Christian responsibility part two. But we have a responsibility. This may continue to be a series. We have a responsibility to address those needs. I don't know. I don't have all the answers. I'm not saying that is. I have everything and this is just my viewpoint I'm open to other viewpoints and I'm open even if you listen to this and you would like to give me a different viewpoint you would have to have discussion on podcasts we can do it but I believe that we have responsibility and I don't I need to do some more research on prisons and and the uh, the post prison life because it's pressed on my spirit but we have responsibility. And if we're going to be the church, the, the church building that we go to can't just be about what we just worship and praise, but it should also be a place where we plan and strategize how to be to improve our communities. The churches, specifically the black churches, should be cornerstones of neighborhoods and communities, and we have to get back to that. That was where plans were had. That is where town hall meetings were had. That's where school board elections and, and the, the the preparing and the nurturing and the uh, grooming for People to run for political offices happened. That's where voter registration happened. Because the church was concerned about the community. The church universal should be concerned about the community. And if the church universal is concerned about community, that flows down into the local church and they're concerned about community. In the South, there's a church in every corner. And every corner, and you go to the project, you go to the hood, you go to wherever you go to the black and brown community, there's a church on every corner. And Those have to be the meeting spots. Those have to be people that are pumping back into those communities. We have responsibility. The church is more the church building should be more than just a, a center of worship. The church building should be headquarters for planning and improving the community. This church should be the headquarters for the Community Improvement Movement. Let's get back to it. God bless you. God love you. and Remember, never let your independence rob you from dependence on God. God bless you.